everybody, welcome to the Unto Folly podcast, the only podcast that listens to 50 Cent during adoration. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> yeah, let's see you that. Um, I'm Alejandro. And I'm Ivan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, welcome. This is kind of our first uh, official episode, not the intro episode, but uh, yeah, we hope this can you know be a good time, not take ourselves too serious. Um, that'd be too out of pocket. Uh, Lord knows. Uh, but yeah, how do you feel about podcasting, Ivan? I'm excited, man. I think I think people um, who podcast definitely need to have a gift for it. Uh, and I guess we'll find out whether or not we have the stuff. The sauce. Or we have the, what's the opposite of the sauce? Um, um, uh, like mayonnaise? The, I don't know. The marmalade? The mar- I guess so. The jam? If we got the jam or the jelly. I don't really know the difference, but... It is, what it, is. It, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I, yeah, I, I. Who knows if we'll be good at podcasting? Uh, we're good at talking. Oh, like, IRL. And yeah, IRL. IRL. Bro, we talk for days <laughs> about nothing really, usually. But uh, but yeah. So um, hopefully this, this is a good time. Um, the first episode kind of ex- or yeah, the episode zero kind of explains like what what the theme of it is. Um, and this episode, um. It's titled, I Would Do Anything for Love. I would do anything for love. <laughs> yeah, we, we, might get, we might get copyrighted. Uh, I, no, nobody knows who we are. We'll, we'll be fine. Yeah, dude, we're too yeah, small. Honestly, we're too small, but a... We're too small a, fish in a... In an ocean. In an aquarium. In, yeah, but uh, I would do anything for love. So, icebreaker question. Which I think is going to be a lot of fun. What's the <laughs> what's the craziest thing you've ever done for a girl? You know, when when I saw that on the on your outline, I uh, in my mind I was like, oh, this is going to be really awkward because like I feel like I never done anything like crazy for a girl. And then I started to think about it, and yeah. I was just like, oh wow, like I'm I'm a simp. Like I like I'm really bad. <laughs> I'm really bad. I think like I think the one thing that came to mind, um we've known each other for a long time. So That's facts. Yeah. I mean, we know most of the girls that we've dated in our lifetime. That's true. And uh <laughs> hopefully you don't know who I'm talking about. That way it's like less weird for me. But yeah. you know, I was I was working at a young age, so you know, I had I had, you know, money that a kid my age shouldn't have had. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up and, you know, Valentine's Day is always like the, you know, you know, like, you know, that's the day. That's that the, is the that's day. That's the day you gotta, yeah. you gotta show out for that day. And, um, there was this bear at Hallmark. Mm. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. <laughs> Shavana. Shalissa. Yeah. But, uh. Free Shavaka do. It was this giant bear. Good woman. This giant. Yeah. She's great. She's doing, I hope she's doing well. I, I don't yeah. really keep up with her anymore. Yeah. Uh, but she, she, there was this giant bear and she really wanted it. And um, <laughs> this giant bear that was probably like my size now, like I'm, like I'm six foot, you know. Okay. No, you don't need to brag. Know, 300 pounds of pure charisma. Pure muscle. And, uh, pure muscles. <laughs> and uh, like this thing was, you could use this thing as a mattress. Like this thing is huge. <laughs> This thing, like I didn't even, because you know, I saw that in the picture at first, yeah, and I was like, oh, like I'm gonna get her that bear, yeah. Walking to Hallmark, the bear is like looking down at me, <laughs> and I'm just like, holy crap, this bear is three hundred dollars. Oh, what? I didn't know it was that expensive. It was that expensive. Well, I didn't. I never told anyone. That's the thing. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought it was like a hundred. No, that's dude, what I remember you said. This thing, this thing was. I, I probably did tell you it was a hundred dollars, so like people wouldn't judge me as much, but. <laughs> But this thing was like pretty close so to, to $300. And, nice. you know, like I'd really, I honestly, I, I was like, oh, wow, this is expensive. But I honestly didn't even give it a second thought. I was just like, I'm getting this bear. Like mm, as one does. Uh, I mean, you know, I was a kid, you know, no rent, no, no nothing. Yeah. I had all this money and Makes I could sense. be completely foolish with it. Yeah. But looking back on it. I mean, I hope she still has that bear because it's really expensive. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I but, don't know what you would even do with it after. Like, how would you get rid of that? I don't Start know. In the trap. It wouldn't fit. There's no way. I mean, maybe you could find a dumpster. Maybe. But first of all, you got to fit it in a car. And <laughs> and who knows? The only reason why I was able to fit in a car is because I had my mom's minivan at the time. Ah. And yeah. Pull you up. know, like, you know, reflecting back on it, I was just like, you know, like a smaller bear probably would have done the job. 
Yeah, but that's like that's a good. Story. That's like a like a Ivan thing to do though. Yeah, so that makes that's, perfect that's sense. A stupid thing. But yeah, Ivan thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that makes sense to me. <laughs> makes sense. That's one pretty. That's pretty foolish. It's pretty foolish. That's pretty foolish. That's yeah. kind of fun though. She loved the bear though, so that was. Oh yeah, yeah I'm it sure. It was, was a nice feeling to see that. Yeah, I'm sure you you got hella points for oh, that for one. Show. Sure. Yeah, put them. You know, put some points on the on the scoreboard <laughs> for that one, for sure. Dang, that's what's up. For me, immediately what I thought of um, was in middle school. I started listening to Screamo. Mm. I started this, which I never cared for at all. And like, I like forced myself to like it because the, the girl that I was dating was like into Screamo. And so I was like, I, I need, I need something to like relate to her. She loves all these like hardcore bands. And I was like, well, so do I, <laughs> this is me, this is me now. And when I look back at it, I was like, what? I didn't like any of that music. I, I grew up on like R and B and like hip hop. Yeah, and that was it's my jam. You know, still stuff. my jam. Yeah. yeah. And then when I listened to Scream, I was like, I just don't, I just don't get it. I was like, everybody's so mad. Like, <laughs> why is everybody so angry? Oh, why is it so angry? But then I was like, I was a teenager, and I was like, well, I'm also angry. I'm also pretty mad. Yeah, yeah I'm like, I'm mad all the time. Yeah, everything know? makes us mad at when we're teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something, something with I don't know, something in the water. I don't know, but just angry twenty four seven, and and that's when I thought of it. And then it wasn't until like. A long time after that, I realized I never actually like liked it at all, and I was just like, <laughs> just <started> listening to. It. <laughs> I, I have like this one cringy memory where like you came over after soccer practice, and like I was like, yeah, this is what I this is what I listen to now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I remember I was just sitting there like, oh, this is oh, nice. <laughs> It cool. was so bad, and then you just played Grand Theft Auto on my Xbox. And then oh yeah, was that like, was fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so you don't listen to Screamo no more? No, not really. I mean, there's some some of the emo songs, but none of like the hardcore like Screamo stuff. Some of the emo stuff is like is like good. You know what I'm saying? Like it hits. It hits like yeah. I realized I went through a phase where I really like like Screamo covers of like pop oh, okay. songs. I see. I see that appeal. Like when yeah, yeah, yeah. like when I Prevail covered. Um, Blank Space by Taylor yeah, Swift. Yeah, 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 yeah. On repeat. I don't yeah. know why. I don't know. But pop songs sound really good in the screamo form. I guess so. I guess so. Because you know, it's like a huge, like difference. You know, it's like yeah. a happy song, and then, or maybe it's boom. the sake that I don't actually have to learn a new song because I already know it. Oh and, yeah, and it's just like a little different. Okay. Yeah, it's like, you know, different but the same. Yeah, the same but different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. get that. Yeah. Well, I also think of. Middle school, high school ish. I would also hide the fact that I I listened to Drake, like Sad Drake. Oh, now like, it's cool. Like now, prime time Drake. Like Take Care. Like Take Care is like my favorite Drake. I tell people all the time face. that I think that's like hands down the best album he's ever put. I out. also think that's the best album he's ever put out in his life. But I was like low key listening on the bus. Like I would like hide the fact that I was listening to Drake. <laughs> Why was that such a big a big deal? I don't know. I don't know. But I just remember this is like a formative memory for me is I was like, ooh, no, I don't I listen to uh I don't know. Stuff that no one else knows about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't listen to uh you know, soft Drake. Yeah. Um, but pretty foolish, you know? I pretty think foolish. so. Any I, other any other memories I think, that come to mind? Well, I think just in general, like especially when <laughs> I was in what what the youngsters call the talking phase. <laughs> ooh, yeah, there we go. You know, like I would look back and I would just make up like the craziest lies about myself. <laughs> like honestly, what? like honestly, like what? Like what's an example? I think like I told somebody because I, I saw that like she posted something about like a like a boxing match. Yeah, I was just like, oh, like I actually boxed. You know, since I was like really young. <laughs> And then I'd be like, yeah, you know, I had to quit because I need to get, like, surgery on my hand or something. Something, something really stupid like that. I got like in a match yeah, bro, for I the just, title. Yeah, dude. And just, it was game <laughs> over. It's, you know, I was the underdog. And, you know, I was yeah. I was in the ring at, you know, uh, MGM preparing to take <laughs> on, you know, this Goliath of a man. Yeah. And, it, it, like, it was just, like, things like that. It was That's just, like, funny. things that would be, like, you know, they're lies. But at yeah. the same time, when you don't know the person, it's kind of like, well, why would they lie to me about this? You know? Right. So it's, like, the perfect lie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think, yeah, same. There was definitely, like, a lot that I, I like, kind of lied about as a kid. Like, you know, for, for the sake of, of women. 
like they'd ask me like oh do you know about this one thing screamo was just only one of one of the many oh, for sure. like music music was kind of one of those things that's like easy um to like just lie about mm-hmm. be like oh yeah yeah i'm super into it. there's this one girl who was like oh yeah i love like beastie boys i don't know what middle schooler likes beastie boys yes yeah, as, as a middle schooler yeah. um and she was like do you know beastie boys and like i immediately looked it up I think I had a smartphone then or something. Yeah. I had like access to internet or something. And so I immediately looked it up. I looked up like the first song and I was like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, oh, BC that Boys. favorite song. Yeah. Right my there. favorite song is this one. <laughs> <laughs> Immediate points. Oh man. I so. think I started playing basketball because of a girl. Oh, interesting. And I've always sucked at basketball. So facts. It was, yeah. <laughs> Granted, I don't think I was very good at any sport that I played. I think I was always just good enough. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. Sometimes that's that's all you need to kind of get you through like high school. Yeah, because you just gotta be good enough. Yeah, to be fair, like you know, we're talking a lot about you know the romantic in the romantic sense of, of love, but I yeah. think like you know soccer. You know, I the reason why I got into it was because of my dad. You know, like mm. you know, we yeah. talked about our dads. Like you know, yeah, yeah. we we know how it is. We know how it is. But you know, like. As yeah. a young kid wanting, you know, that fatherly love, you know, I yeah. knew one thing close to my dad's heart was soccer. And I figured that was, you know, That's my way in, my way in. And sure enough, you know, we spent a lot more time. <laughs> we spent a lot more time that way. So yeah, that's that was, huge. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also played soccer. I, and I didn't like it at all. I realized like, at I like, all. I liked it. I liked the actual act of it, but I didn't like any of the competition of it. Because yeah. we played on like this recreational league for mm-hmm. a park, and it, it, people just get so so heated, and I was like, "Why we play for just <laughs> a random park?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I just play here because my high school doesn't have sports." Yeah, well, I, re- I remember when I started playing soccer, I, I specifically signed up to be a goalie because that's yeah. what my dad was. Dang, tight. And then I realized I hated being goalie, and I moved up. That to, sounds stressful. To defender. It yeah. was, dude, it was it was really bad. I was a really bad goalie. I ran into the the soccer post. <laughs> you Do you remember that? Yeah. And I had like that like eye patch you like came, when I went to school. Yeah. Like half my face was super swollen and yeah. like, my eye was like bloodshot. <laughs> you rolled up to jazz band in the morning. Yep. With the eye patch, right? And Were my you, big old saxophone, the Barry sax. Yeah. Yeah. That was good stuff though. That was good stuff. That was fun. Um, but yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know. That's, that's kind of a norm, at least, you're, you know, man, you kind of act the fool for, you know, people you're trying to get at, you know, people for you're trying sure. to love. Um, so now we're going to, like, pivot, right? Pivot that question, one would say, I guess, respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's, like, the what do you think is, like, the craziest thing you've done out of love for Jesus? In my my own experience? Yeah, yeah. like you personally. I, I think the, the, the craziest thing is probably going to seminary. That's what I I would imagine. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, I was thinking, I was reflecting on this question, and I think a lot of the times in my life when God has asked me to do something, I don't think they're super crazy. They look crazy to me because, right. you know, I'm a weak and foolish man. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the only time that, like, I actually took courage and, like, was just like, okay, yes, God. Yeah. Was going to seminary. Because I remember, like, you know, I went to seminary. I pulled up. You know, you were with me. You drove up with me. That's true. And I remember looking up to like at the building that I was, you know, moving into, and I was just yeah. like, "Oh snap! What the heck did I just do?" Yeah. Like this is like this just got real. This just got scary. <laughs> yeah, and that was crazy because like you were probably the first person like in our whole friend group that I ever actually did anything like, um, like big, like mm. in their vocation or in their like life in terms of like being moved and like listening to the Lord. Um, Cause like, at least in our friend group at that time, like we, we knew like some okay Catholics, but like that wasn't really normal like, yeah. in our friend groups yeah. and even just being involved with ministry, like a lot yeah. growing up say. here in Vegas, like in the diocese, yeah, you know, like you don't really see people like pursuing um, their religious vocation in, in that way, like a radical way. So I think like that even made it much more like important. And I think I was I think that definitely had an effect on me as well. Just kind of like, you know, leading me to want more and to do more things like that. Like to like do things outside of myself. That seemed kind of scary. Yeah, it is. It, I think, I mean, 
there, I think there's a there's moments of grace where God, you know, kind of comes in and, you know, gives you the courage you need. But like once you're kind of like in it, you know, like it's kind of like as if like the fear just kind of comes rushing back in. Yeah. But it's a moment where, you know, you have the opportunity to really just kind of lean mm-hmm. on the love of God. Yeah. And um, doing that will, you know, either kind of, you know, make or break you in a sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely relate to that. And I guess like for me, it was definitely discerning to be a net missionary. I think that was like my, like the thing that I was like, I would never have thought that I would do something like that. Cause like, especially for me, like I, I think it took me a, a long time to really grow into like my desire of wanting to be like radical. And I guess like now, like in my personality, uh, that's a reason I, d- I don't get involved with certain things because I have a, I'm like easy like easily radicalized yeah <laughs> i don't like uh, like you know really uh consume any politics or you know because t- i just like want to do something 100 percent. yeah all just, or nothing yeah all or nothing type personality um and i think really where um god really showed me uh how i can you know allow him to kind of aim that the right direction and have that be rightly ordered was to be a net missionary, but all kinds of like doubts and stuff like that. And I never thought I would, and I never really cared for wanting to be a missionary, but it was just, it was just like unavoidable. Like it was like this desire that I didn't know was there. Um, kind of the same thing, like leading the very first like thought of it was like, you know, I was like, Oh crap. Like I have no idea how this is going to work. And then after time went along, you know, God gives God granted me the grace to like process it and like, not be as nervous but i definitely remember like the first like the first night um during training that i was just kind of like what the hell am i doing like i and it was weird because you meet all these people and it's like incredibly social and and all this stuff and i'm like pretty social but it was just like this huge overload and i remember definitely that night of just like being like i don't even know like what the heck is going on mm-hmm. um and then you know god definitely gave me the grace to like just stay and just trust in in him but yeah it um yeah like there was there was a lot of like things that got in the way and a lot of things that like doubts that i had uh things that i really had to give up um so that kind of like goes into the, the second part of that of like what what were like roadblocks for you in that because when i when i think of like you know following somebody that you love like it kind of like it asks something of you like yeah. I, I think, I think of the what the rich young man in uh, Matthew uh, nineteen, right? That he's like, what what else do I need to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, the Lord knows what that one thing or that set of things are that we are going to struggle in letting go of. And for him, it was like his possessions, right? His money, yeah. and like actually giving everything up to the Lord. But for many of us, like it could be all kinds of other things, worries, idols, things. Um. So, what were like some of those things for you that helped or let like made it difficult for you to, you know, say yes and to follow him in that radical way. Yeah, of course, you know, like the life that you, you know, ultimately you have to leave the life that you've known behind, Mm. you know? And I think I convinced myself that that was the biggest thing for me. Um, I don't think uh, that I realized the actual real obstacle was, was myself. Um, I think the more that I, I looked into the priesthood, the more I kind of like pondered the idea of becoming uh, a priest and going to seminary, the more I became insecure about myself. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like you said, we get to see these people that that love God in this radical way uh, that, you know, they don't hold anything back. And, you know, we we see these people and we say, wow, like these these people are different. You know, they're set apart. And, uh, you know, we, we want that, but at, at some point in my life, I, you know, I kind of lost all, um, confidence I'd mm-hmm. say, or, or in myself. And, um, uh, the more like I kind of went through this discernment, the more I kind of felt unworthy, the more I felt unprepared. Um, and I remember when father Ron, you know, had asked me to apply um, the first time I, you know, I kept telling him no, like, you know, yeah. I, I tried to make up like all these reasons as to why I couldn't go. And I could tell on his face that, you know, he didn't think there were good reasons, which yeah. was because they weren't, you know, yeah. and it, it, you know, it took me going all the way over to Boston and sp- doing a silent retreat, mm. um, with the All Blights of the Virgin Mary 
Um, and you know, God telling me is like, like, get out of your own way, man. Mm -hmm. Like, like, you know, this is the the desire that's in your heart and you know that this is what I I'm asking of you. Yeah. It's just like, so like take that leap. Yeah. And, um, so I would say just like, you know, my own insecurities. Yeah. Um, and I think <laughs> I, I've had that same feeling when in, in my own relationships and we mm -hmm. talked about how often we lie about yeah. ourselves that make up this fake persona. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it, it really felt like the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Um, and I think it's it's always so humbling to see how intentional God is in like addressing that like that thing. Like that and how he's like so personal in that like he's he is very patient in the way he brings about redemption in that. And I'm sure like that kinda happened like in your journey, like throughout the seminary and you know, has continued like obviously he's still doing. Uh but yeah, I think for me well, one, it was just like financial, um, like, so as an missionary, you don't really make any income. Uh, at that point I was 23, 24, 23, 23. Um, and I was working a full-time job and paying bills and I had like some student loans. Um, I didn't have like crazy amount of bills, but enough to know that like the monthly stipend was definitely not going to be enough for me to, for me to pay. I essentially would just be losing money at a slower rate. Um, and so I was like, oh my goodness, like I never really actually, like I've never saved money like intentionally. And so, which is not good like, <laughs> at all <laughs> as like a 20 something year old. Uh, and so there was kind of that aspect of like, man, I really need to like focus and make a plan uh, and kind of make sure all these small things are in order and just trusting God that he's going to do his thing. And then you also fundraise like six to $7,000. Um, which to me, I'd never done. Like, I was like, I could not imagine. I was like, oh, and they tell you like, you know, the money comes, you just have to, but there was definitely moments of insecurity where I was like, like who the heck is going to give me like it, in, in many ways, I felt like I kind of had to like, um, make myself look holy enough for people to give me money, mm -hmm. which is not the right attitude at right. all. Right. It's like you, you get people to believe in the mission and then believing in the cause, then they willing to give whatever. Yeah. Um, but at the beginning, it definitely felt like me wanting to show myself that I'm, I'm worthy of people's money to go out and be a missionary. Um, but yeah, money was a, was a huge thing. Um, but I don't know the, the Lord immediate, that was like when I first got like in prayer, when I first kind of got that idea to go to net, like that was the first thing. And which makes a lot of sense because that was like the one actual thing that could have stopped me from doing that is if I didn't figure it out financially, because I essentially needed to save money for, pretty much a year like to you know live off of in a year which i did um but and even then there was a lot of um a lot of self-doubt and a lot of like thinking that like who who am i like am i even holy enough and it honestly took a silent retreat with the carmelites um and it's kind of a common theme of like you know once you get rid of the all um, these extra all the, voices all yeah this, all this excess noise yeah all the, all the noise and distraction that it took for me to realize that like um, that I can be holy, like holiness isn't like a destination for me in the future. Um, that holiness can be me now. Yeah. Um, and that's what God wants of my life that like, and I don't have to like do anything to earn like holiness. I just need to be near him. Right. I just need to be by him and be listening to him and just provide the quiet to do that. And so, um, that was a, a huge moment. And then I realized that like, um, you know, that was kind of my, one of the, the biggest like conversions in my life because it essentially, it made me feel like a new person. Like, I, and I was a new person. I think I accepted the Holy Spirit in a very special way. Um, and because of that, I realized that like, you know what? I am not actually an introvert like this entire time, my entire life. I thought I was an introvert, I'm not actually an introvert. Um, I just would use that as an, as an excuse to not care about people or not like keep up with people or not do all these things that I should be doing, you know? Um, but I think the Lord really revealed to me, you know, through that silence that I can be holy and I do have what it takes and he's given me what it takes and he's like created me to do well in this role. Um, but yeah, it was, it was scary. And then just encountering like that idea of like vocation. And I, I really had to like, look, I think in many ways I was, when I, I was scared of the priesthood of like that as an option and in discerning net, like, I just was able to face that vocation without it with, by taking like fear out of it, like not being scared. Like I'm being taken away or 
you know, like God is grabbing me by my neck and forcing me into the priesthood, but that like, it's a beautiful vocation. And if God does call me to it, that, um, he makes it obvious. And if he does, then I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And so I think, you know, that was definitely the struggle for me. Um, yeah. Anything else? No, I mean, I think the, you know, the idea of holiness and Christian perfection is, is a, a topic that not everyone gets to hear about or really take the time to try to understand. Uh, but I mean, that can be a whole other episode in itself, honestly. Yeah. 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 Um, and as we talk about this, like, I think, and this will kind of be the entire like theme of this podcast of like, you know, God doesn't call, um, people who are super smart or like super great at something, but just people who are like willing. Right. And so first Corinthians, um, chapter one, chapter one, verse 26 says, for consider your call brethren. Not many of you were wise according to the flesh. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no flesh might boast in the presence of God. Um, and just kind of this idea of like, man, yeah, like um, how in many ways like God is, I really feel that, God is calling me and, and, you know, other young adults to really live out um, our lives kind of in the same way that we'd live out of like a romantic relationship. Yeah. Um, like to live out our relationship with the Lord as a romantic relationship because we recognize, right, we recognize these foolish things that we've done for the sake of somebody's love or approval or like a romantic partner. Um, and Edward Tree has this like fantastic analogy when it, when it was talking, he was talking specifically about evangelization, but it was this talk that I heard uh, Dr. Edward Sri. Sri? Sri? Re? Sri? 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 Psoriasis? Siri? <laughs> Siri? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about like evangelization, right? And, and this wonderful metaphor of like, well, you know, let's say you watch a movie that you think is like the best movie ever. Like, wouldn't you tell people about that movie? Yeah. And I, and I thought to myself, like, yeah, like I'm easily radicalized. Like, anything that is current in my life, like, everybody will know. Like, uh, I'll just tell people about it. Like, oh yeah, I'm doing this thing. It's fantastic. This is great. Um, whatever. And then he keeps on going like, well, have you ever been in love with somebody? Right. Yeah. And you just want to tell everybody how wonderful they are. Yeah. Like that's like a normal thing that we accept. Like in the human world, we see it romanticized in movies and books and all that stuff. Um, and it's like, well, like how are we not doing that with our relationship with the Lord? Yeah. Right. Um, and so in what ways do you think that your your relationship has become more romantic with the Lord? And it's yeah. changed from like, because growing up as a Catholic, um, cradle Catholic, I was definitely raised on like the Jesus is my friend. Mm-hmm. And it took a long, long time, like in my adulthood until that started to change and mature into more like Jesus is my lover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so kind of how, in what ways has that changed like your relationship with the Lord into it being more romantic and more like kind of what we're talking about? Yeah. I think for one, I I was really confused um, in this idea of like having a romantic relationship with Christ. And uh, it was funny in preparing for, for today's episode, you know, I looked up uh, the word romance, you know, as any wise Ooh, man would do, type, yeah, it, in, look type it, it in on Google, right? There you go. And um, the, what Google, you know, the wise prophet Google once said uh, is... Latino uh, translation. Is, <laughs> Latino translation. It, <laughs> it says... A feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love. Mm. And, um, you know, grow, you know, like oftentimes people, when they hear romance, they, they think of like this, you know, sexual yeah. desire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just so we're clear, we're not like, you know, gays for Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know if you ever seen that video where like it's like a classroom and like the priest is talking about like same sex marriage. And yeah. he's just like, well, you're a priest, right? And he's like, yeah. It's just like, and you're like married to Christ. He's like, yeah. It's like, so you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> and the priest like didn't know what to say. He's like, uh, no, uh, no, no, yeah, but, no. But I, I get what you're going for. But you know, <laughs> it's just I just want to clarify that in case anyone like you know feels a little weird about you know speaking of Jesus in in this romantic yeah, yeah, fashion, yeah. Um, especially any guys that might be listening. 
Um, because once you do kind of take this, uh, like this paradigm and, you know, apply it to your spiritual Mm -hmm. life, you know, beautiful things start to happen. Right. Um, and I think, you know, the beautiful thing that I've been able to experience in my life is the fact that, you know, I am just so, so broken, Mm -hmm. you know, I, like I, I am such a sinner and, uh, facts this, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> about you. Yeah, yeah. about me. Yeah, just <laughs> me. Just me. <laughs> but, you know, you think about it and, like, this this idea, like, like tormented me. The mm. fact that, like, like this feeling of that holiness was not attainable for me no matter how yeah. hard I tried. Mm-hmm. Um, but but holiness, you know, doesn't mean perfect in, in the sense that, that the world provides, like... Right. Because oftentimes I try to live out my, my spiritual life and, and, you know, my my life in general in this idea of perfection where perfection meant self-sustaining and, like, self-sufficient. Yeah. This idea of, like, not needing help. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that robs us of what the spiritual life is meant to be. Yeah. It, it's, it's meant to be communion with God. And it's in these hardships, in, this, in the cracks and in the bruises and the brokenness of our hearts where God wants to meet us where God wants yeah. to build upon his relationship. And, uh, oftentimes when I'd go do a holy hour in the chapel, um, you know, I would feel like Adam, you know, you know, from Genesis, this idea of he, his, the need to hide himself because yeah. he was naked. This idea of like, like God sees me and he sees all of me, not just this persona that I made up, not yeah. just the size that I want him to, but he sees me. Um, and I think, I had to accept that before I could truly enter into a relationship with God. Yeah. And uh, I think it's something that I still try to do. Um, I, I think it's something that I have to do every day uh, in order to enter in a deeper relationship with God. But man, the moments that, that, you know, I can fully accept me and my wholeness mm-hmm. and give it over to God, man. Like I think the other day in prayer, you know, I, I was feeling this way and, you know, like I, I, I gave it up. I gave like I gave it over completely to God. And I just felt God, you know, speaking like into my heart, telling me, you know, uh, it's just like if you were perfect, then you would not need me. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, you know, if I were perfect, you would not seek me. Yeah. And so like here I am, like this brokenness that, that you know, was allowed to be put in put in my being is ultimately the path that will lead me to my own salvation and my own holiness, my Mm -hmm. own, my, my union with God. And I think when I began to look at it in this romantic, uh, you know, lens, um, my love for God began to grow in such a beautiful and unique way. Yeah. Uh, But I think that that's kind of where I'm at right now, spiritually in my relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I also relate to the getting through, my weird feelings about Jesus being a lover. Yeah. Like, and, that, and that took a lot. And I really recognize that it's, there's a lot of brokenness there that like, whenever I think of romance, like it has to be sexual, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so it took me a lot, um, a lot to really like live that out. Right. And to know what like that means, because like, I understand the concept, but like in practice, like I, I just had the hardest time uh, of seeing Jesus in that way. Um, And what it essentially took was like these um, like wonderful experiences with imaginative prayer that like God made my relationship with him, like in a sense, like as physical as it could ever be. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And, and that's when I realized like, and, and part of it was that of like, also feeling like this need to hide before God because my opinion, my like my image of God was that he was like scary. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there was like these conflicting two sides of like, well, Jesus is my best friend and he's always there for me. But then, you know, God is also powerful. Um, and so kind of coming to terms with like, well, Jesus is God and Jesus is powerful and he does have authority and at times he he shows that to us right and and obviously there are times in scripture when he does um yet he comes to me as a lamb um and yeah and so there was there was a lot of that kind of going on but 
uh, it, de- it like in that silent retreat that I did, I think um, there was a lot that God did in my heart of accepting, um, of kind of getting through that awkwardness, that, that yeah. feeling that I had of my relationship with him being romantic. Um, and I found that I became much more comfortable in general, much more comfortable with like physical touch. I think physical touch has always kind of been like one of those like weird things for me. Um, and because I was having these like profound experiences in imaginative prayer where like, I was like, like touching his hands and touching his face and like kissing his hands. And when I think of like, you know, the way older Catholics and even like, you know, long, long time ago, the way, you know, people of faith express their love, uh, for sacraments and art, like, uh, or even like in seeing Jesus that they would kiss his feet, kiss his hands, um, then it makes sense. Like, it's not that weird, right? It's just like our culture has defined a romance as physical, like, like physicality Mm -hmm. and and sexualized physicality. Um, but immediately I, I saw this huge change in my life. And then like, I, I saw that my relationship with God was much more life giving and, and the desire for evangelization just naturally sprang forth. Yeah. Like I couldn't help but want to tell people about Jesus. Like I couldn't help but want to make my life more about him. Um, and and I think that's like a good sign, right? That's a good sign of like a, a living relationship with the Lord is that like, um, you know, evangelization just kind of like overflows and pours out um, because of this person that you love so much. You want other people to know about him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've watched the show Dave. No, the little Dickies yeah. show. <laughs> I know the show. Crazy show. First of all, I mean, I'm not recommending it at all. But there's a scene, you know. But if you're listening, but if you're listening, <laughs> little Dicky, if you're little listening, Dickie, and we know that you are, <laughs> you you closet Catholic, you yeah, is he Jewish? I think he is Jewish. But he's, he's like halfway. He's like Catholic. halfway there. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Maybe he'll like like Andrew Garfield will like he'll hop on over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe. But, but there was a moment where, you know, in the in the show, you know, he was um with his girlfriend at uh, his girlfriend's sister's wedding. And his yeah. sister was the one who had to um give the the speech because she was the maid of honor because I guess her sister, her sister had no friends. And um, nice. <laughs> and like they actually did not get along in the first place. But nice. she was like struggling to write this thing, struggling to write this thing. And Lil Dickie and his girlfriend were like in this uh like really rough part in the relationship and they ultimately, you know, broke up spoiler alert, but (gasps) I was going to watch it, (laughs) but you know, in this thing, she, she, uh, when she gives the speech, she talks about how, um, the beauty of marriage is the fact that them to get to the, the two individuals get to make a world for themselves filled with magic. And the Mm -hmm. idea is that, um, you know, even though magic isn't real and it's an illusion, um, you know, you all, like her sister, like always went out of her way to make sure that the illusion was never broken for her. Mm. And so it's like this idea they get to create this world and, you know, keep this magic alive. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's funny because like in this sense, in romance, if we take, you know, Google's definition is like, they talk about like mystery and yeah. excitement. Um, cause it's not so much magic cause magic being fake mystery actually being something going on that we don't really know or understand yeah, fully. Yeah. Um, when you enter into this relationship with God, um, the excitement comes up because you know it's going to be magnificent. Yeah. And you know it's just going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I'm assuming this is what married couples experience. I mean, we weren't both not married. So I'm assuming this is what kind yeah. of goes through their mind. As they, it is. Yeah. So as like, one who's been married. Oh, sure. Yeah. In spirit. Yeah. In spirit. In spirit, <laughs> of course. But this idea of just like this excitement. Yeah. Um, um, because like, you you have full trust in you know right. the lover of your soul yeah to the fact that like whatever they do it's going to be because it's out of love and it's for what right. you know what's best mm-hmm. yeah and it definitely takes like kind of what you were saying is this um honest presentation of yourself in all of your brokenness yeah to be able to get to that point yeah, yeah. for sure um yeah definitely and I, and i think that like uh, well, one, what I think of is, is uh, Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, yeah. which really only recently have I been getting more into that and realizing that like Jesus is like speaking to me mm-hmm. through this. Um, because like when you grow up Catholic and you hear all the like the youth talkers and be like, yeah, they talk, it's like, yeah, if you want, you know, if you're trying to get a girl, 
read her some song of songs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you're trying to get a girl, you know what I'm saying? Say, you know, you're whatever. Um, but what really sticks with me um, is uh, chapter 2, verse 10, where uh, it reads, My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my dove, my fair one, and come away. Uh, and you hear that kind of throughout the, this entire passage of arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Uh, and it just hit me in a different way that like Jesus is saying this to me, right? Um, that any good romance is an adventure that you are led on, yeah. right? And I think in a way it has been magnified and exaggerated through like romance stories, right? Um, and I don't know if it, I would say like exaggerated because it's just in a different way that you know, the Lord leads us on an adventure, I think in the same magnitude probably. Um, but it's the same idea of like the Lord invites us romantically to run after him, to pursue him, uh, to come away with him. Uh, and it, it's just so, there's so much going on there of like, you know, well, the Lord is, is recognizing like my beauty. Like he's yeah. like romancing me, you know, arise my love, my dove, my fair one and come away. And, and so there's like, there's this acceptance of love, uh, of the Lord, um, that like he sees good in me and this idea that like, I can't hide from him. Yeah. Like, uh, he recognizes that I'm good. I'm created to be good. Um, and he invites me and he beckons me forward as any like good romance yeah. does. Right. It's this invitation. Um, you know? Yeah, uh, for sure. Cause I think, you know, like oftentimes like how we were talking about, like oftentimes we kind of hide, you know, from it yeah. for whatever reason. And, um, like, you know, Jesus, you know, being God is, is not like that mm -hmm. at all. Right. And, uh, you know, one of the things that stuck to me when I, when I was at St. John's, you know, seminary studying, mm -hmm. um, in my, my fundamental theology class with father Leo, he, he, yell, he's very passionate man, the way he teaches, but like there's certain things that he like yells out with, with this, yeah this, this truth and like mm -hmm. this, this, you know, fierce truth. And he says, he's like, he would ask us, you know, it's like, we were speaking about divine revelation. Yeah. And he says, like, why, like, why did God reveal himself to man? And he's just like, we were like, oh, well, like to save us or like, you know, we give all these answers. He just looks at us. He yells, he's like, because it's the nature of love to reveal itself. Dang. And I was just like, oh, shoot, so dude. Why are you yelling at me? <laughs> I, was like, I deserved it. I deserved yeah. It. And he would do these things where like, he would like invite like groups of us up to the front and like discuss on a certain topic. And he talked about, and like, sure enough, like we went up there and he's just like, all right, talk to us about the girls you've dated <laughs> we're like what <laughs> and he's just and he, he would ask us this like you know it's like well what did it feel like to be in love and you know you know there's like four seminarians like looking at each other and we're just like none of us want to speak because <laughs> we would never in a yeah. million years touch a woman and so <gasps> It's been many moons, <laughs> but it was funny because like I'm, I'm up there and like we're all looking at each other. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll go. <laughs> and it's just like like when you're in love. Like I went on this whole thing and everyone's just like, man, who hurt you? And I was just like, yeah. me. It was my fault. But <laughs> like I was the reason why it didn't work out. But yeah. it's like this idea. It's just like it's just like like this person was all I could think about. Like this person yeah. was the only one I ever wanted to be around. Like I just wanted yeah. to spend every moment of every hour just with her. Yeah. It's just like, and that's yeah. God's love on a very small scale for us. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah. And and even more so, like, I think I'm starting to recognize the beauty in, in how, how God um, is constantly trying to present himself to us and reveal himself to us through the sacraments. And I think that's something that I, I definitely took for granted, like growing up Catholic, yeah. because it just becomes the things that you do. Yeah. Um, but I... I was like, wow, like what, what anchors the sacraments have become in my life that I know I am experiencing God's mercy and love for me here. Yeah. Like I know that like when I go into confession, right. Um, I know that I am experiencing God's love and mercy for me. Like I don't have to doubt it. Yeah. Um, and I could, I, I can only imagine how lost I would be without that. Uh, and yeah, that like, the the immense love that God has for us that he knows how we constantly need reminders of his love mm -hmm. because we're like little kids who see a, sh a shiny thing and want it right want yeah. want that other shiny thing and we'll drop everything for that shiny thing and so 
um, he like does everything to show himself to us and yeah. to show how much he cares. Um, yeah. Slaps. Slaps. It's super slaps. Yeah, for sure. Super, super, super duper slaps. Um, but yeah. And, and what would you say? So for, from I guess for us here and for, you know, whoever may listen, for people that like want to make their relationship with the Lord more more romantic, like what do you think is like the first step? Like what was the first step for you? Uh, or what always helps you to kind of get back into it? Whenever you feel like you go on autopilot or, you know, you're just not, you're just not like, you know, like your relationship with the Lord is kind of like not where you think it is. How do you kind of correct it and go back, you know? You know, I have um, certain books that that help me, mm-hmm. like, it's, it serves as a reminder of, yeah. of, you know, who I am and my identity, you know, through my baptism mm-hmm. and also who God is in, in a loving father. Um and I think having something like that, I mean, it could be a specific verse in the Bible that you yeah. constantly refer back to. I know mm-hmm. for me, it's the baptism of Jesus. Yeah, It's a, a verse that constantly reminds me that I am God's beloved. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in accepting who we are in our brokenness, you know, in our faults, but also recognizing that God loves us anyways yeah. is I think what brings me back to whenever I kind of like stray off. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, if you have a good book that'll help you with that, I think um, uh, John Henry Newman, or I mean, uh, not John Henry Newman, that's this, uh, Henry Nowen, um, his oh, yeah. books are so yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, like there's one called um, Heart Speaks to Heart that, I mean, mm-hmm. always brings me back or um, his his uh, book, The Prodigal Son. Slaps. It just, they just always bring me back Slaps. to that. To that mo- it brings me back to that moment of God pouring out his love yeah. over me. I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. what like either starts or gets me back on track. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. I'd say for me, it, it it's always scripture, like scripture for me when I, when I feel lost and I feel like my relationship with the Lord has become too like on autopilot. Um, and how do, how do I like romanticize it more mm-hmm. and make it more romantic? Uh, it's always been scripture. Um, and just like, doing as much as I can to place myself there in those passages. Uh, a huge one is John chapter 21. Uh, when, you know, it's, it's like, I mean, it's, it's brilliant. And this, this entire character arc of Peter of like these three affirmations that Jesus is asking, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so like placing myself there, um, as Peter, um, Jesus also said, says come let's have breakfast um which i like yeah for sure i love breakfast Who doesn't? i really like breakfast but um but yeah there's kind of just complete redemption and i, th- and I think kind of going to him in, in humility uh, i think always kind of brings me back of like wow thinking of in the ways that he's redeemed me yeah um thinking of where he has brought me yeah i think always kind of helps bring me back to that point um, and I think this passage is, is definitely that because this isn't this redemption of Peter, right? This, um, yeah. of like Peter ran away from Jesus and denied him three separate times. Yeah. And instead of, you know, running away from him, like faces it and experiences actual conversion and Jesus yeah. embraces him, um, and brings about this redemption and leads him uh, in, into like, you know, something great of like. It, and at some point, this is the St. Peter who ends up being crucified. Right. right? Uh, and it's just absolutely incredible to see um, that if Jesus can redeem him, like, man, he can he can do that for me. Have you ever heard, you know? there's, um, supposedly there's this, like, chapel or basilica in Rome. And, like, the idea is that there's a story that, you know, Peter was trying to flee Rome because things yeah. were getting bad. And supposedly on his way out, Peter sees Jesus walking in towards Rome. And Peter says, Peter says, like, where are you going? He's just like, it's like someone has to, you know, stay here and shepherd the flock. It's like right after that, Peter turns around and comes back to Rome ultimately to die. Here we go again. I know, right? (laughs) Beautiful story. I I mean, I agree. That moment um, is is what what a moment of healing for Peter. And yeah, yeah. Uh, to recognize 
just how insane the love Jesus yeah. had from him is. I, yeah. And intentional. Intentional, and yeah. Specific. Yeah, Pacific. Pacific. Yeah. Huge ocean. And Atlantic. And Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, and I guess like, you know, where if this is like your first time thinking of of your relationship with the Lord as romantic and you know, how do you how do you transition and how do you begin to change that? Um, what I would say is like scripture, like expose yourself to as much scripture and just, you know, read scripture. Um and you know the gospels and for me what it was to really get started is like the stories with jesus where jesus is doing something healing someone you know somewhere um and just trying as hard as i can to place myself in those um there's like specific methods but you know um it's kind of up to you if you want to get into any books like that but i i think that for me for sure is like number one uh to get into if you want your relationship to be more personal and to be romantic yeah yeah. I don't know if you have any tips, tricks for like somebody that like who has never thought of Jesus in that way. I think for one, I think they need to understand it's going to take time. Yeah. You know, like anything sure. else, it's going to take time. Yeah. Um, it's going to take time for, for one, for them to get comfortable yeah, yeah. Uh, in a situation like that. And two, you know, to actually allow Jesus to be that romantic partner Mm -hmm. in their life yeah um which also comes with like a sense of a spiritual awareness as well right. um so i mean pray and you know pray relentlessly yeah you know just i mean something that i've gotten into like rather than listening to music in the car when i'm driving around is like listening to spiritual books on audible mm -hmm. and i think that's been in itself very fruitful for me yeah to remind me of like uh, right now at this moment i'm being accompanied by you know the one my soul loves yeah and uh, things like that, you know, things like that are always going to make a mm -hmm. difference. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think I think that's good. Um, anything else for the good of the people? I think that's it. I think that's it. I think that might be a wrap, not a burrito. Uh, we thank you so much for listening. We hope this was helpful for you. This was a good time for us. Look out for our next episode. Stay safe. Remember to act a fool. Act a fool. Act a fool. No, 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 no.